mother is bleeding. At least I have a husband, you know. Does anybody here believe it? So we're on episode 59. This makes it the Lauren episode. Okay. She belongs to, she's the help meet of Josiah. So That term is uh, so weird to me. So a couple orders of business before we get started. And before we, you know, I just had two little orders of business and now there's a whole fucking Mildred minute because of her um, trip to the vet yesterday. But we'll get to the other things first. Okay. Order up. Uh, So first thing, we, I came to the, we came to the realization after recording last week, how the reason I had never seen Eureka's castle and under the umbrella trees, because they were cable Mm-hmm. That explains it. So I wasn't just completely naive. I had no access. So yeah. now we know. Um, we mm-hmm. didn't have cable till I was probably like 10, 11, because like one of my sisters, when she was like 18, started mm-hmm. to pay for it. Yeah. So when you were like, it was on cable, I'm like, oh, well, I'm like, oh shit. If it wasn't on the WB, PBS, or Disney's one Saturday morning, I didn't fucking mm-hmm. see it. So yeah. now I know why. I wasn't just missing out. I was, it was inaccessible. There was an era where my parents, through a family member, got a a box, like a cable box, that had like, this is such a weird day of of TV, but it was like they had the card where you'd put the card in and it would give you access to a bunch of cable channels. I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. And it was like, gotten through different means, so it wasn't like they went to the cable company and got it. So there was a whole era where like they got a bunch of like movie channels and then they Whitney's seen this. They uh when they got a VCR, they were recording movies off of the movie channel because they were like, we don't know how long we're gonna have access to this. So Whitney's been to my parents' house and seen that they have this giant cabinet of like VHSs. All recorded, recorded. VHSs. Do you think um, they're still there? I mean we both haven't been to your parents parents house in years oh i don't doubt Do they're still, still there, there? <laughs> yeah and they had like they even did the thing where like they bought all like the the black plastic like covers and then i remember my mom using her typewriter to type out the labels that went into it. it's kind of funny they were stealing mm-hmm. and you know what they would say about people who steal now hmm <laughs> so next order of business i order cannot up. believe that I have gone through two episodes where we talked about Barbie and didn't ever bring this up. <laughs> First of all, one entire episode on Barbie. Mm-hmm. And then specifically last episode where we had a whole thing about Barbie transportation. <laughs> I can't believe I never brought up the fact. So I talked about how I use that like water Little Mermaid game as a TV. Mm-hmm. The the poof for a mm-hmm. rug. Yep. I forgot to mention that I always used my roller skate as a car for my Barbie. <laughs> I would stick her inside the, mm-hmm. the or as uh, our girl says, escape. Escape. <laughs> um, so she would. Uh, I'd put her inside the scape, 
And yeah, that was her car. And the reason this actually occurred to me recently is because every time I see like a smart car on the road, I'm like, <laughs> that's about the ratio of what my Barbie was sitting in her skate car. person to vehicle. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I've always been like, it's very similar. Like you'd think, oh, that's very unrealistic. Not when you're driving a smart car. It's very similar. <laughs> very roller skate-esque. Very. Um, so that's it as far as that. So now it's time to get into the Mildred Minute. There you go. Full length. Yep. And deep. Yes. Deep, 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 Exactly. I was just about to do that. That was what I was going for. So, little Mildred, as I talked about, you know, a few weeks ago, I was trying to get her in for her wellness check to keep, because she's she's not due for vaccines, but to keep mm-hmm. up with her vaccines for life, I need to take her in once a year for a wellness Correct. thing. They, I wanted her nails clipped. They couldn't get, it was so booked out. So, she a couple weeks ago, when she was precious cargo, that I realized, <laughs> was when she got her nails clipped. Finally, yesterday was when I was actually taking her in for her wellness exam. Mm-hmm. Everything's going fine. She's sweet as can be the doctor and i was just like she and i I was filling them in on her toothless situation Mm -hmm. because they haven't um they haven't seen her since all that happened that was like how we learned about the first one so i'm informing them of all that and like you want to add that to your records i'm like don't be alarmed (laughs) when you look in her mouth and there's nothing there and like i was just like oh my god i felt like such a shit mom because like she means everything to me and i was like i don't have kids she's and the vet was like I don't have kids either and I have cats. And so I was like, okay, so I'm like with my people. Everything's great. Temperature's good. Gums are good. You know, everything's great. Mm-hmm. And then she's about to be done. She's like, oh, wait, I never weighed her. And I was like, oh, yeah. So she weighs her and she then she looks at the computer and she like makes a face. And I was like, oh, God, what? And she's like, she's down quite a bit. And I was like, mm-hmm. and literally I t- was telling Tim that I was joking with the doctor saying like, oh yeah, me and my husband say that depending on the time of year, it's like having two different cats. Right. Because when you look at pictures of her literally six p- months apart from each other through my entire camera ro- roll since we've had her, mm-hmm. she looks very different. Right. So I was just like, oh yeah. And so like to me, I'm like, this is just her summer body. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like she like slims down in the summer. Obviously right. a lot of it's floof, but like I didn't think... Like, to us, she hasn't looked any different because I'm just like, this is just her summer body. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, so, like, the vet was going back and forth. Well, I can, let me request maybe over there to see, like, what she weighed for them. But this is what we have her at last is. And she was saying it was almost, like, two pounds different. I was like, really? Like, two pounds? Mm-hmm. But the only thing that was then interesting, because then she's, like, going through all of her records. And she's like, we have the exact weight that she was, five pounds, 14 ounces. They were like, she was that in 2020 at one point. So then she's kind of like, you can see the vet being yeah. like, should we be worried or should we not? And she was like, well, is, her, is there been a de- decrease in appetite? And I was like, oh, fuck no. Like, <laughs> no. And um, then she was like, increase. And then I was like, I can't say no. Yeah. So like, she has always been food motivated. This this mm-hmm. bitch loves food, just like her mom and dad. <laughs> Very food motivated. And I do think she's been, like, hungrier recently, but I honestly think I chalked it up to, like, after her losing all of her teeth, where now all she eats is pate. Mm-hmm. I was like, maybe it just kind of doesn't stick as long. You know what I right. mean? Like, you, maybe she got, like, fuller off of the it's mix. More satiating. Yeah, like, like the, because we know, gave her, we still gave her a lot of pate before, but we also still gave her dry food. I'm like, mm-hmm. maybe going straight pate. So that's just kind of what I always chalked it up to. But she was just like, 
increase in drinking and peeing? I'm like, no. But I'm like, but I can't really say that maybe she isn't hungry. Or, like, you know, I was like, I, yeah. I don't know if I can honestly say. And she was like, okay. And then she's like, well, do you just want to like bring her back in in a month? And, we'll t-? and I was like, no, I'll fucking stress out for a month. <laughs> and so she was like, okay. So then I paid the $600 to do a full blood panel. Because she got like a partial blood panel before doing her surgery for mm-hmm. her mouth because they want to make sure that they're healthy enough for anesthesia, of yeah. course, right? And the thing about that, remember how I was like, oh my God, does she have diabetes? And then they're like, no, no, no. It's like barely. It's so minimal. It's ba- yeah. They're like, it's because she was stressed. And and I had been telling her when I was giving her the lowdown on what they missed with the whole two thing, I had even said, and she had blood work and that blood work was great. They said nothing mm-hmm. was wrong. So then she was just like, well, but did they do a full? And I'm like, no, it would have been like the more minimal one where they're specifically, they're looking for kidney levels and things like that for like mm-hmm. going to be under, able to, yeah, go it. under anesthesia. And um, she was like, okay, so this would be like the full blown that it's going to look at different things. It's going to look at her thyroid. It's going to look, you know, and I was like, all right. So I was like, let's just do it. And I'm like, I'll stress out if we don't. <laughs> and then um, I was like, what are some of the things we're looking at? And she's like, of course, there's always cancer, but I think that's very unlikely for her age. But basically, it's like kidney disease. Been there, done that with Momo. Mm-hmm. Um, something with her thyroid or diabetes. And she was like, diabetes. And, and so, like, I was telling Tim, I'm like, I know that something, everything has to start at a point. Like, mm-hmm. but I just kind of feel like kidney stuff is unlikely considering six months ago, everything was totally fine, you know? Yeah. Obviously, everything has to happen at a point. So maybe. And I'm like, I don't know. So I was already kind of in my head leaning towards thyroid. Mm-hmm. And then Tim has a coworker. Yeah, we have a, mm-hmm. And she is a cat that was... Um, same I, age. <laughs> yep. It, the, around the same age that um, had kind of a similar problem. Lost weight. Was hungry a lot. Was a little bit more like hyperactive and she that was what her cat had so hyperthyroid you didn't say uh oh yeah hyperthyroidism yeah Yeah. so it was the same thing and she was like they gave her a couple options she was like devastated and she talked about remembering when she was younger because she was like we grew up with three cats and she was like we just went on vacation she was like we would leave them extra food in the house like out in multiple places we would leave multiple bowls of water and then be like we'll be back in three days (laughs) like you know, because we were talking about, does anybody watch your animals when you leave town or whatever? And she was like, we never did it as a kid. And she's like, now I leave for a long weekend and I have somebody go and multiple times a day. You yeah. Know? But yeah, so um, her cat went through the same thing, is on medication and has, that was like four or five years ago. So when she, like, I'm like, if I have to pick anything of the three, number one, that's the one I would pick. Like that, I would want. Obviously, I want none of them. <laughs> but I'm like, when they were described. So, like, I was. <laughs> I think of things later on. So then, when the tech brought her back. By the way, so they took her back for the blood, and the tech brought her, and she was like, "She is so sweet." And I'm like, "I know." <laughs> and she was like, "She was next to this other cat that was losing its shit, and she just sat there, and she was so sweet." No. And I'm like, "I know, we love her." No. And and it's so funny because then she was like, her bag was on the chair. And it's open on the side and on the top. But she was so sen- I had it just sitting there while they took her. And then um, she came back and she's <laughs> Mildred sitting next to the bag. And I can tell she's trying to figure out how to get back in it. But there's not really room on the chair. So she just like dives into the top and lays back down <laughs> inside. And But she was like laying next to the keyboard while she was typing up my 
my receipt and stuff. Mm. Like Mildred's just so sweet. She just, and she was, the tech was like, oh, <laughs> because she's just like laying there next to her. Like she's yeah. just a little sweetie pie. But anyways, so um, I was like, am I done with the doctor? Or do, I, do I get to talk to her again? She's like, oh, well, yeah, technically you're, you're done. Like she went to the next person. I'm like, I just have questions or I'm going to like yeah. freak out. So she went and talked to her. She's like, okay, I talked to her. So anyways, I'm like, I just want to know. Like, to sleep at night, I just want to know treatment if it's any of those things. Mm. And she gave me the the rundown. And I'm like, you don't really have to go into kidney. I'm like, I've been there, done that. I kind of know. Mm. But um, I was like, oh, Mildred does not want to be diabetic because then it would be insulin twice a day mm-hmm. and only food twice a day. And she was like, no snacks. And I was like, Mildred would die. <laughs> we call them snackies. Yeah, she loves her a snacky. She Mildred loves snackies, <laughs> so I'm like, I hope for her sake. I kind of hope it's dire. I want yeah. nothing, but if it's anything, I, I'm trying. I, I am stressing. I'm trying not to stress. Mm-hmm. The only thing that's helping is that she seems fine. Nothing mm-hmm. seems wrong. Yeah, you I didn't think take she, her in because she was acting. Yeah, weird, if she was dude. acting sick right now, I would be a fucking puddle on the ground. But like mm-hmm. right now, I'm like she's she's okay, and we're just you know hoping for nothing if we had it at least with um thyroid and then there's a transdermal option where we can mm-hmm. administer the medication in her ear instead of like a f- oh fuck pills man <laughs> trying to give a cat a fucking pill they've prescribed me pills twice like the emergency and vet, you're and like, like yeah that ain't gonna happen I'm like this is a fucking joke <laughs> but so yeah that's what we're doing with the little mildred and i told him our jokes that we make are not that funny anymore <laughs> We have an ongoing joke that when Tim gets home and she starts creaking at him. Anytime someone comes home, it's like a new opportunity to get fed, right? Mm-hmm. So I could have just fed her. But if Tim walks in the door, she's like, you know, or whatever. And so I always go, oh, dad, you got home just in time. I'm wasting, wasting away. away. It's always wasting away. Yeah. Very exasperated. And fur and fur and fur bones. Fur and bones. <laughs> oh, just in time. Yep. But uh, I'm like, now if she's actually like losing weight and wasting away, this isn't this funny anymore. Yeah. It was a joke before. Yeah. You just didn't appreciate her summer bod. It's pod pod girl summer. I just like she has paws. Yeah. Pod. Mm-hmm. I just really hope that like she fluctuates and we're just being cautious. We enjoy a, a little floofy Mildred during yeah. the winter. So well, everybody, was... cross your paws. Cross them Hoping paws. Hoping for nothing. If we have to have something, thyroid seems to be the best of the bunch. Yeah. And the most likely at this point. But yep. Giving her mom a fucking scare. <laughs> I was like sitting there. Stri- I'm like trying not to cry in the office. And I'm like, I'm that crazy <laughs> mom that they're like, the cat lady's crying in room three. <laughs> oh, man. Well, those were our Mildred minutes. Yep. <laughs> we'll keep you informed. Haven't heard yet. Okay. I do think if it was terrible, we would have heard by now. Agree. 100%. They even said they were like, if we see something glaring, and like in the initial, there's like the yeah. the initial, and then like the the full. Yeah. They're like, if something's popping up on the first one, they're like, you'll hear from us faster. But I've had employees that you know go in and get tests for something, and they're like, well, they called me and told me to come back next week, and I'm like. If it was something serious, they wouldn't have said, nah, come back next week. It's all good. You know. Yeah. Okay. So uh, send your positive pa- vibes there for it is. Our, she did it, folks. our sweet little baby. So the episode is called You Ask, Duggar's Answer. Ooh, damn. 
and it premiered on October 27th of 2009. And this is kind of a weird episode to, to like, recap, because it's just as the title indicates, it's a Mm -hmm. and a episode. So it's just kind of a weird one, because it's not like... Yeah. You're just, like, going, they asked this, they said that. Like, it's just, it's not very fun. But, um... It starts with us actually seeing Cannon cleaning and picking up the Tater Tot Mansion. Mm-hmm. And we very quickly find out why. Because yep. she says that this is going to be really tricky. My four older girls are at a retreat right now. And boy, are we having a busy time without them here. She, so, had, to, she had to lift a finger. Yep. She was just like, oh, shit, they're gone. <laughs> So she actually has to take full responsibility of all of her crotch goblins that she's both created and birthed. And we know how, you know, that that can be real tricky. Oh, yeah. As she says. I also want to point out that Michelle looks like she's straight out of page 281 of the advanced seminar textbook, which is the clothing and appearance section, which we we covered mm-hmm. previously. If fellow diggers are following along in their books, you know. Yes. Um, because she is rocking a kerchief around her <laughs> neck, which is very encouraged as a way to draw people's eyes to your countenance. Mm-hmm. So she is a star seminar student on this particular day. Yes, she is. She's wearing the same old fucking maternity, pink maternity <laughs> shirt we see her in all the time. All the time. <laughs> but she adds a kerchief. See, I... I wear a kerchief, but that's all I'm wearing because I'm trying to. Have I said you kerchief look. as a joke. Do you say kerchief? It's like kerchief, isn't it? I don't know. Oh, I say kerchief as a joke, but go ahead. No. No, go ahead. I was just no. I'm just asking. Go ahead. I don't know how I said. I don't really have the word in my vernacular. Well, just a whole keep going. Lot. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. Other than other than like culinary school, remember when we had to wear them? In yeah, culinary we had to wear them in culinary school. It was terrible. Yeah. And I remember having, on a random side note, I remember having teachers that were like, you wear that as a a gasket, because if you're in a really hot environment, it'll keep kind of all your, you know, your sweat on the outside, or, you know, if you're in a cold environment, like, it was kind of this thing, and I'm like, no, this is awful. But it it just made you sweat more, and then they were white, and then they yellowed, because you're pouring sweat into it. It was like the commercials for, like you know biz or whatever the laundry detergent was where it's like it won't turn your whites dingy all you know yeah all with bleach so what were you saying about her kerchief oh i was saying i usually wear a kerchief but that's all i wear because i want you to look at not my countenance oh yeah usually she just wears at the she just stares at the kerchief yeah 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 all right so um But yeah, I almost feel like it's almost like a formula for Michelle at this point. Mm -hmm. Is that a baby joke? (laughs) Funny. Um, It's like before when it's like add a string of pearls and to your lady sleepwear and, you know, you're you're ready to speak at this large engagement, you know, (laughs) Uh, add a kerchief to the same shirt that you wear every fucking day. And suddenly it's like interview ready. You know what I mean? (laughs) I think that that's like her... That's her formula where she was just like, I just need something around yep. my neck and then we're ready for an event. Yeah, that's all she has. Like a cartoon character, if you open her closet, it's all the same shirt and <laughs> and it's all the sh- all the clothes combinations, but they're all in one hanger. Yep. And then the, you have to you have to like sift through them to pick mm-hmm. out one that looks exactly the same as the yep. others. Yep. yep. So next, 
Oh, man. Jason continues to prove that he is the most feral of the litter. <laughs> First, he's gnawing on crutches and can openers, and now he announces, I'm making relish. As he chews up pickles and spits it back into the jar. <laughs> so, he was so, like, he was so proud of himself, too. It was very funny. We get a pickle square. Yep. There should be a fucking feral child square in next steps. <laughs> next time, when we redo these boards, fucking feral child. <laughs> kids are weird and kids are fucking gross. Mm-hmm. Is, is the lesson to be learned here. And they have a lot of them. So it's a lot of weird and a lot of fucking gross. So the crew has been at the, at the house since 8.30 a.m. So just so everyone's tracking, that still, Pest is still rubbing his eyes o'clock. <laughs> and they've been setting up an interview area, like, in the living room. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Cannon is trying to still do school with the kids, so she's kind of setting them up with their tasks, and she says to Justin, as many as you can get done, and he replies... What if I fall asleep? And she's like, you won't fall asleep. <laughs> and I was thinking I would agree with her unless we're talking to Tim. Mm-hmm. The way this man falls asleep these days. I'm exhausted. <laughs> like he, the, the funny thing is like, anytime I fall asleep, I feel like there's a lead in. You see me hunker down. You mm-hmm. see me kind of start to drift. You see me kind of snuggle up. I can literally be talking to Tim. Mm-hmm. 10 seconds later, his head is back and he's snoring. The dad thing is real. The the old man dad thing is real. And I'm like, and I'll literally be like, are you serious? Like, is this really happening? I'll be like, and I'm like, you literally, literally fell asleep from one second to that. There was no lead in. It's what happens when you're exhausted. He just falls. Like, it it, it borders narcolepsy. (laughs) Well, much like the three potential things that Mildred has present the same emotional and mental exhaustion present the same with me yes. and it means that I fall asleep very quickly uh, I'm it's almost impressive like mm-hmm. <laughs> I just wish it was restful god like if it was restful I'd be happy as a clam over here it's it's very fast it's amazing like I I'm never to, no matter how many times it happens, I'm never not amazed. <laughs> like it's amazing every time. I'm like, how did that happen so fast? Out of all the things I try to do to impress her, that's what's it. That's what's amazing. Amazing how quickly he can Waste- fall asleep. I'm wasting my energy. No wonder I'm sleepy all the time. Yep. So they're finally getting started on the actual questions, and TLC went all out on this. <laughs> they had like an old timey jingle and everything. Oh yeah, it's it's there's special graphics, a fucking jingle, and um, I have it written down for you guys here. Whoa, get ready! A question, a query, an answer you'd like from mommy and daddy or one of the tykes, boys, girls, and babies, sister and brothers. That's how they they get all yeah. like hi. Mm-hmm. Let's ask the doggers. Yep. Just ask the doggers. It gets very high. It does, yeah. So it that was. was Badly done, but also trying to demonstrate purposely how high-pitched it gets. It reminded me, there's a Simpsons clip show where there's a, a segment. It's out, every, each segment has like a little intro like that, and one of them is Ned Flanders. And the, the 
little jingle is hens love roosters geese love ganders everyone else loves ned flanders and then homer pops in the bottom and goes not me and then they go everyone who counts loves ned flanders <laughs> very similar it sounded it's uncanny uncanny let's ask the doggers <laughs> just ask the doggers <laughs> Okay, so the first question comes from a young girl who asks simply, why do you have so many kids? Same, girl. Same. Lego starts off with his jokes, you know. He says, good question. I was wondering the same thing. And then retell the same thing we've talked about several times, how they waited to have Josh and then got Mm. pregnant with another unexpectedly and miscarried. And Lego says, we were so grieved to find that out that as we started studying the scriptures the scriptures say children are a gift and a blessing from god we just decided to give that this area of our lives to god i just want to point out that this time there's no mention of the whole birth control thing right which so i guess this was trying to keep it like light and palatable you know like daytime (laughs) tv like that yeah um even though this is you know prime time um but when they get more testimonial, they always bring up the birth control aspect. But yeah. So I do find it funny when they bring that up and when they're just like, don't. <laughs> you know, like, I just think yeah. it's interesting. I feel like this entire episode could be called Duggar Splaining the Episode. Well, yes. So like, I think I have a, I have a specific place, I think, in my notes where I was like, I felt like it was some peak Duggar Splaining, but we can do it now. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was the entire this thing. entire episode. That's the shtick of it, so. So the kids get some camera time. The feral one and the buggy one, Jamesy. They get paired up and then Joy gets some peace and fucking quiet. Because which is good because we know she can't fucking stand James, so it's good that she didn't get, you know, paired up with that one. So their next question is, how does it feel to grow up with seventeen brothers and sisters? Joy says it's fun because you always have someone to play with. Lego says he's never heard his kids say that they're bored. Cannon says they might have to wait turns for toys, but, quote, overall, I think our children would probably say we have more fun than any family I know. Okay. All right. (laughs) Side note, most of these questions are coming from people at the mall. Yeah. Did you notice that? It was definitely, like, in a mall atrium, there was a... A jewelry store in the background. There was a Zales the back little there. Cor- the you know, like the little carts in the middle that the are kiosks. always trying, yes, that are always mm-hmm. trying to sell you shit. Like yeah. there's like right behind where they're yeah, talking there was to like people. Cell phone uh, covers and like airbrushed shirts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually gonna. I'm skipping over some of the ones that I feel like are tired. Like, yeah. Well, are your kids named with Jay? Like, and it's just like. The same old, same old. Mm-hmm. Well, we had Josh, and then we had John, David, John, and then we didn't want to leave him out. Like, yeah. whatever. Uh, so another one asked, since you don't watch TV, how do you decide, how did you decide to do a TV show? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that we've um, talked about recently, about them being Ed Heads and how he, su- you know, suggests not having a TV your first year of marriage. Mm-hmm. So they 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 talk about all that same shit, but then they say, but when we asked to, we were asked to do the TV show, we really felt like that this would be an opportunity to share with the world that children are a blessing and a gift from God. So we agreed to do the TV show as long as they didn't edit out our faith. Mm. 
This runs into like an old joke, and I don't know if this is just a different generation joke or if it was a Mexican thing, but like whenever you had a family or whenever you knew a family that had a lot of kids, it was always like, oh, you didn't have television, huh? Because the no, idea I've, that like your parent, your yeah. parents had nothing else to do. I still make that joke myself. I'm like, God, watch, watch fucking TV, man. Like, you know, like, yeah. have you then, ever watched <laughs> Mad Men? That'll get you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. find something long. Yeah. Get into that. And then I think about like us. Like I worked, we worked opposite schedules for a long time when we first got married. So it was like, there was a lot of times that like we really didn't see each other at all. It was rough. Oh yeah. Not like it was like. Like I was working overnights. There was a, ch- like I would start work at midnight. There was points where I had a second job. He'd sleep in his truck for two hours and then go to yeah. the next one. Yeah. It was rough. Yeah. It was hustling. Like they insinuate the fact that like if you have a TV, you're just going to like ignore each other constantly. So, in my head, I was like, oh, we wouldn't really have to worry about having a TV because we didn't really see each other. Exactly. Oh, problem solved. Yeah. So, um, then the next one is Cannon's response, actually, to the same question. And she says, we definitely do not feel like our reason for being on TV is to be famous or anything like that. Um, More like infamous at this point, but that's, you know... She continues, it really is just to share and encouragement for other people because we, we know we've been encouraged and we all need encouragement. There's a whole lot of encouraging in that line. Yep. It's a big word for them. <laughs> when asked if they like being on TV, Joy says, it's kind of fun new meeting new people. And she just kind of talks about how like some people, you know, like, oh, we've seen you on TV, like mm-hmm. that type of stuff. Yeah. And then... James Ebug says, it's really fun sometimes. <laughs> and Jason chimes in with emphasis on sometimes as well. And they both do that thing where you sort of like lower your chin and tilt your forward, like forehead forward. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, kind of like the like serious, like know what I mean? Like, you know, like forehead forward. <laughs> and then says sometimes twice more. Yeah. For emphasis. So when they say sometimes, they mean they sometimes. Mean sometimes. <laughs> Pest means special. They mean sometimes. <laughs> so Cannon says being recognized more has been an adjustment and they're learning along the way and tells the story of how little Jackson asked her one day, how does everybody know my name? <laughs> Which he was the first kid, if I remember correctly, he was the first. One. Yeah, he was. He was the first one to be born on television. Mm-hmm. So for him, it's like, they've seen you they since you were you, like yeah. from the very beginning, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. But he's just like, how the fuck does everybody know my name? Yeah. There was one clip, if I can have, in between the transition, there was one clip of matching outfits. And it was because they were talking about, um, they were taking like a family picture. Because there's two things I noted about this. They were taking a family picture like on the hill outside of the Tater Top Mansion. Um, and they were all wearing like dark blue shirts. Um, and like, you know, all the boys were in jeans, obviously, and, you know, whatever. So they're all wearing. But the thing I mentioned was that it was a a phone belt clip tease because they all had like longer sweaters and shirts that were covering them. So I, I literally paused and like tried to Hawkeye every single one of them and all of their phone belt clips were covered. So matching Dang. outfits, no so phone belt. Here's clip. my thing. With these, there is a lot of 
clips back that we've seen before. And I don't feel like those are bingo squares. Was this a previously seen scene? I mean, they always show scenes of them taking pictures of the gather. How are we supposed to know? I know the difference. <laughs> yeah, I know if we've seen it before or not. You don't recall? No, not remotely. I'll give it to you, though. Matching clothing. I'm going to give this one to you, honey, because I like you. I got one. You going to mark it off on your little square there? Yep. All right. But, yeah, um, I remember cracking up one time because I remember the very first episode that you were, like, saying one. And I'm like, I don't know, but that's an old scene. Like, you know, where I was just like, I don't know if that counts. I, <laughs> we got a message from someone who was like, when they said that when that was happening, they were like in their car or something. And they were like, but we've seen it before. And then I was like, <laughs> but I don't think that counts. <laughs> so, the people understand. Yeah, they do. So we're still on the whole like them being recognized type thing. So during all of this, they're sharing various clips of them out and about and being recognized. Mm -hmm. Like when they were in D.C., um, which we've seen before, along with some clips I don't think we've seen before from book signings. It mm -hmm. looks like different events than the ones that we got to see. Yeah, we've never seen a book signing yet. We saw the one at the local retailer. Yeah. That's the only one I recall seeing. But not like this. This looks this, like they were at like a Borders or like a yeah, Barnes & Noble. They were like at a big long table. And Lots they were, of wood grain yeah, in the decor. A lot of it. The boys yeah. were in sweater vests. They yeah. were dressed a little bit nicer. Mm -hmm. uh, Cannon was wearing the exact... This is so funny. What's so funny is like because she literally wears the same five things on repeat and then changes the next year, you know? Mm -hmm. What she was wearing to their book signing was the exact outfit she was wearing when they were when she was dressed inappropriately at the diamond thing, like the mine <laughs> thing. Remember yeah. the red with the black? Mm -hmm. like, I mean, she's always wearing a black skirt, let's be real. But <laughs> that's what she was wearing to a book signing. So it's like, you know, this is good for going out in a... Did she accessorize this time? There was no or? accessories either. Man. She was not event ready. She, she didn't have a book signing neckwear nope. to wear for this not a fucking maybe a lanyard with a pen for when she's signing nothing you know. so anyway so we're seeing these clips of them at these like signing events and stuff and at this book signing there's a clip of a lady in a badly diy shirt that <laughs> says i dig the duggers did you feel did you feel defrauded because she was stealing our shtick well, so she says that, and then she sort of like waves to the camera and then points to herself and then says, Missing Duggar right here. I guarantee you her name probably doesn't start, <laughs> start with a J. I, I mean, we don't know for sure. There's yeah. there's possibility. That's true. But yeah, it's so I always, number one, I always wonder what these type of people that we see in scenes, I wonder what they think, what they now. think now. That always mm. crosses my mind. I'm like, are you still like a, like a hardcore like Meredith, fan? Like, like yeah. we talked about Meredith Vera. Like, what do you think? Mm -hmm. And then to the whole not, um, so her, her shirt said, I dig the Duggars <laughs> for a split second when, when I was, it was never really a full blown option, but when I was like writing and like brainstorming mm -hmm. ideas, one of the ideas that I wrote down, and I remember even telling my friend Maddie when we were in a restaurant, like when I was like, I think Tim and I are going to start this podcast. Mm -hmm. And I was like throwing out names. One of them was not digging the Duggars. 
so to see her where i dig the duggars but that didn't last long because i quickly realized not digging the duggars is just like i don't like them like you're gonna slam them yeah yeah where i'm like digging up the duggars is like oh no we're going deeper into Mm -hmm. all of this like i didn't feel like it was a good representation right of what we're trying to do so anyways it was just kind of funny to see that on a shirt so the next question is from a woman at the mall Wearing a shirt that I would have definitely seen on one of my many trips to Styles for Less at this time period. But I would have been there for um, buying layering tanks that were $2 and would have three holes in them within two weeks. But that's besides the point. I needed as many layering tanks as and camisoles and lacy. You know, you need your whole range. Well, yeah. So you could wear your brown tank top with your pink underneath with your pink flip-flops and then your pink stretchy headband. And then the next week, it would be the brown tank top with the blue with the blue uh, flip-flops, you know. So, but this shirt this lady's wearing, did you notice it? No, not really. It's like a baby doll shirt with like the mm, pattern on it. Yeah. Very of the era. time. Very of the time. I loved me a fucking baby doll shirt, though, I got to tell you. <laughs> But um, she asked how they keep their sanity with that many little ones, which is funny to see their own verbiage kind of being parroted. Mm -hmm. Possibly, maybe this lady says little ones on her own, but we know that's such a Duggar thing, so it's just (laughs) kind of funny. So we know the answer to this question, but let's hear- Have older kids so they can take care. (laughs) Exactly. But let's hear the busy breeders spin on it, shall we? What does she say? So Baby Cannon says, My heart really goes out to those moms with little ones because I know how hard those days were. It was a struggle. So to the unsuspecting outside world, this is a relatable comment Mm -hmm. about the struggles of raising young kids. Very relatable at face value. But Michelle saying those, like, were hard days... (laughs) isn't because they're like she it's in the past like oh Mm -hmm. i'm past the little kid stage she still very much has a lot of little ones Mm -hmm. still but were for the average person would be would be like you're completely out of that right were for her is because she's at the stage where she's not having to do it all herself anymore (laughs) because she has older kids Mm -hmm. yeah there's a distinct difference between those two different words. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, so it's just so funny to hear her be like, oh, I remember that. And it's like, you should still be in it. Yeah. You're still having <laughs> kids. Like, yeah. But it's in the past because <laughs> it's not your problem anymore. She's like, believe me, it gets a lot easier when your kids are old enough to raise your other kids. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But it's what Lego says next that, re- oh, man, it's. It's something. He says, when we had three, four, five children, it was a chore keeping up with all of them. (laughs) Yeesh. (laughs) Oh, man. Chore has such a, like a negative Mm -hmm. connotation to it. Like, in my opinion, struggle, like Michelle said. Mm -hmm. Like, we know where she veers off once again. (laughs) <laughs> they start to say these things, and then you're like, you veer off, you're in a different league. But Michelle using the word struggle, I feel is, it's more factual, like, to the situation. Like, yeah, it's a struggle having little kids. But chore is, like, 
Does that feel like babysitting to you? Yes. Like the term babysitting yes. where you're like, uh. He's like, oh, man, I have little kids. What a chore. Yeah. And I think in another context, it would be like, yes, raising children is hard. And there's parts of it that aren't. But that's not what he means. He doesn't mean that like the normal like, oh, it's a little bit of a, it's a lifestyle change. No, like for him, he's like, yeah, this is. This is a real, it's a big fucking (laughs) chore. Like that's not the right word as a parent. And I feel like parents all day long can can be like, yep, it's hard. And let's Mm -hmm. talk about the reality of how fucking hard it is. Right. But I feel like chore is the wrong word. Yeah. It has, a, not the word it has a really used. negative connotation yes. to it. Struggle, yeah. I feel, is completely valid. Mm-hmm. It's it's a struggle. <laughs> it's hard. It's taxing. It's emotional. Chore. Yeah. Totally different. It's something you wish you didn't have to do. Yes. <laughs> so, this is up for debate. I wrote this down as Boop has to parent. Oh, I agree. Okay. Because I know he's not physically parenting in this moment, but I feel like we're getting him describing God about like when he's actually expected to fucking do something. Yeah. Because, oh, hey, at one point he didn't have children to take care of his other children (laughs) and he had to kind of fucking participate. Right. There is, I think there is one point where they do show a belt clip. I think we skipped over the question. Oh, is it? I have okay. it in my notes that, like, in one of the other scenes of them answering, like, the, it's like the clip stuff that they're showing as you hear an overdub of uh, Lego talking. Santa. I think, yeah. Okay. Because I have that in my notes. Um, going back to the parenting thing, I think about, I think about the fact that my real quick side story. I worked for a, a pretty large privately owned company for a little bit and I, f- I felt like some of their leadership stuff wasn't super strong. So I kind of found a leadership guru watching a TED talk. And I remember watching, it was when I was working those overnights and it was like nine o'clock in the morning. I was trying to wind down to go to bed and this video came up and I watched it on leadership and I was like, this is what I'm talking about. But one of the biggest things he talks about is being a leader is like being a parent. He was like, you want what's best for your for your kids. You want them to have more than you had, but you also need to encourage them when necessary. You Encouragement. Need to dis- <laughs> you need to discipline them when necessary, and it's difficult. And he was like, being a being a leader is a choice. And he goes, Every, everybody has the capacity to be a leader or a parent. But not everybody wants to be a parent, and not or everybody should, should be. be a parent. Should be is a big one. These- yeah. Leadership is a choice, and he always references it back to parents. So every time things like this come up, like, si- by the way, Simon Sinek. Whew, Tim he- has bought that book for so many people that work for him. He's I just love like, giving that book. That's his gift for people that he feels like here. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know it sounds flowery, but I'm always like, you're on your leadership journey. Like that's always, and I always write them a note in the front. It's called the book is called Leaders Eat Last. He also has another one called Start with Why. Amazing, Simon. If you're listening, I absolutely adore your talks. He's not listening, but Simon, (laughs) we love you. And you know what? What's funny is I've never read a book or whatever, but I feel like I know it all because Tim talks about it so passionately. A lot. So Simon, you've made an impact on the Salgado home. (laughs) Simon, we love you, buddy. Okay, so, um, 
Okay, so we're talking about like boob and talking about parenting mm-hmm. being a fucking chore. <laughs> Perfectly timed though, because right as Canon is done answering that question, she's reminded that she has to, you know, mother her kids every <laughs> few months or so. Because you can hear Jordan crying as she wakes up from her nap upstairs. And Cannon's like, I'm the only one here, and like gets up to go get her. And it's like, <laughs> oh, I'm glad you remembered that there's like, I feel it's like, a, is it like a sobering moment from her where she's like, fuck, I'm the only one oh, here? Shit, you know, I got kids, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this next question comes from a young girl, and I just have to point out, oh, God. she is wearing a Bobby Jack monkey shirt. <laughs> oh, really? Which that wasn't my era, I was too old. But I remember it because of my niece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Katie had like the Bobby Jack era. <laughs> and I don't know, Tim, the fashion monkey of my era, or I guess the fashion monkey of our era. Do you remember it? No, probably Paul not. Paul Frank. Oh, yeah. I yeah. always wanted a Paul Frank shirt and I never got one. <laughs> and I knew, like, for me, when I, when I knew, like, Paul Frank is fucking cool, <laughs> was when Lorelai Gilmore had Paul Frank pajamas. I was like, okay, this is officially cool. <laughs> All I ever wanted to be was Lorelai Gilmore. Mm-hmm. So when I saw her in paul frank pajamas i was like man i need to get that fucking monkey monkey on me stat even even more yep and i never that monkey was never on me yep i remember that monkey but monkey of my era will always be curious george (laughs) well do you know like curious george the book and then there's curious george the show curious george the show was like my niece's era Mm -hmm. i don't yeah i was a book book you were an og an yeah. OJ. Yeah, I was an the OC, the OCG, original <laughs> Curious George. Yeah, there yeah. you go. We just um, saw a random uh, reel that actually talked about who the narrator for the Curious George cartoon was. Bill Macy. Frank Gallagher. Yeah, Frank Gallagher. And the, the guy was like listening to it, and then they show him as Frank Gallagher, and he was like mind blown. It's weird. What do you think of him? You're like, that's so wholesome. And then he's not. He's such a yeah, It's such a like a, like some people become some of their characters, and mm. I'm like, that's him now. Yeah. And I'm like, you can't be wholesome. <laughs> you're you're Frank Gallagher. H- William H. Macy, National Treasure. Bill, if you're listening, we love you, buddy. <laughs> um, okay, so where was I? Paul Frank. Um, oh, but do you know what? That brings a question to my mind, though. So if my niece was, and she's the generation after us, mm-hmm. if she's got Bobby Jack and we had Paul Frank, do the, ki- does the, era- do the kids of today have their own fashion monkey? Mm, that's a very good question that i'm unaware of i mean i'm very out of the loop i feel like i've said before i feel more out of the loop than like some of my older sisters we don't have children because they have kids you yeah. just become old mm-hmm. in a sense that's different than the people who have the children mm-hmm. i always knew that that was a thing when like the grammys were coming around and then it was like here's the artists that are singing at the grammys and i realized that Fucking i know like nobody. two of them i don't know anybody anymore or it's like you read headlines going into some big award show like that, and it was like a headline talking about drama between people, and I'm like, 
I recognize some of those words. Like, I don't know anybody that Yeah, like, I, the other, like, when we were talking about magazines, I think, like, in an episode or at one point, I was like, man, I used to really love magazines. Oh, it was for a pickle. That's what I was talking about, for a pickle episode. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, man, I could really go for a magazine. I'm like, I want to know what's going on. I no. couldn't even get a magazine today no. because I have no idea who the fuck these people are. <laughs> but anyway, so that just brought to my attention, like... I feel like every generation needs a fashion monkey. A fashion monkey. And it's like, what is the fashion monkey of today? Mm. I don't know. Is there one? There should be. Every generation needs one. Uh, Every generation needs a fashion monkey. (laughs) Don't you think, though? (laughs) That's very funny. Yep. Any who's also the Bobby Jack sporting lassie. Mm. um, She asks if any of the the kids fight. Mm -hmm. And Michelle says, well, um... Yes, they do. And immediately it cuts to our girl beating the living shit out of Jackson. Yep. Thud. That that it's the same one we've talked it's about the same before. One. But mm-hmm. love it every time. Never yep. gets old. She's just beating the shit out of him. <laughs> and um the feral one says, Jason, by the way. So Jason says, Well, sometimes we don't really fight. We actually wrestle. Wrestle. God, such a good word. It's such a good word. They wrestle. They wrestle. So Lego says a lot of the littles do fight and that it's a daily challenge to keep Johanna, Jackson, and Jennifer from hitting each other. You mean, um, you mean Johanna from throwing damn haymakers? Because <laughs> Homegirl was throwing hands. I know. I literally wrote in my notes... Uh, that she was really giving it, like she was going to town. She does, like it's, and it's, and I think it's extra loud too because they have like coins in a water bottle. Yeah, and so it's mm-hmm. the sound of her like hitting him, and then it's like the coins too. It's like she is beating the shit. Yeah. Out of him. And there is parts of our bodies where if we hit it, it sounds a lot louder because it sounds more thuddy. And I think little kids are like that. There's points where I used to do that where I'd be like patting Mildred. And then it would get to, I would find that perfect spot with how she was laying. And then Whitney would be like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm not even hitting her. It's it's literally just me going. Certain weight thunks. That's, <laughs> yeah. That sounds alarming. <laughs> so during this, there's various clips of the kids going at it. And Wrestling. my favorite part is Joy and Jed, the OJ. Yeah. Did you mm-hmm. notice that? Joy, she's got like she's got him by the neck. Oh yeah, Joy's going to town. <laughs> yeah, she's got him by the neck, and she's like bringing him down, yep. like up against the cabinet, yep. and it's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was into it. It was like beginner UFC stuff where you get like the where you grapple. You're fighting a grappler, and you're not ready yeah. for it because you're a boxer. Like that's how that looks. I know? didn't even think this isn't written down. It just came to me right now. Is this Joy Sass? I think so because she was she was she going was to really town. giving it to him. So I don't have it written down, but I was like, you know what? Maybe we'll just count this. Where's yeah, Joyce we'll on my board? I didn't write down which parent it was, but one of the parents made a comment about how we're teaching them how to resolve conflicts. That's very laughable. With yeah. <laughs> their history. Yep, yep, that's what we're doing. We're facing conflicts head on and dealing yep. with them. Yep, and Absolutely. teaching our kids that. Yeah, I'm convinced. I. <laughs> So skipping over a question that I don't think we need to get into, then Joseph comes in from working outside to get a drink, and he's very dirty, like he's working outside. Yeah, like he has a work shirt on. Yeah. Um, he's with someone we don't know, 
Mm-hmm. Don't recognize him. He is not a Duggar. Yep. But um, Cannon says, Joseph's more the quiet type. He'd rather be working in the background instead of talking. And she then now she's directing it to to him. And she says, it's a good thing. Your wife will be a talker, I'm sure. To which we get a Joseph Speaks square. <laughs> um, because he responds, most girls I know talk and walks away. That was his zinger. That yeah. was his mic drop. Yeah. 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 His pickle drop. Which is funny because um, his wife ends up being more of a giggler than a talker. Mm. I mean, it's not hard to talk more than him. So to him, <laughs> she she is a talker. Yeah. But I'd categorize her as a giggler in the, in the regular world, you know? There was a point where Whitney and I were watching How I Met Your Mother a lot. And some of the girlfriends of Ted that... They didn't really, they didn't know enough or they weren't important enough to do stuff. They would just give little nicknames to. And I feel like there was one that was called the Giggler. Was there? I don't know. There probably was. You know what I mean? Where they were like, yeah, we don't remember anything about her. She used to giggle a lot. Something like that. (laughs) So in this next question, a man asks if their kids are allowed to socialize with other children in the community, seeing as Mm -hmm. how they are homeschooled. Yeah. And Cannon says, I think that our children probably get to socialize more than most children do. And I just want to say, do you notice how all of her responses to these types of questions are, are like this? Like, our kids have more fun than other families. Mm-hmm. They socialize more than mm-hmm. other kids do. Yeah. I'm like, who? Who are you trying to convince here? Yeah, you're trying to convince yourself. Can convince yourself, convince mm-hmm. your kids, yep. convince the public that this is all <laughs> working dandy, right. you know. But you know that this is exactly like what they're selling to their kids. Oh, yeah. So with the kids and their parroting. So they're probably like, yeah, we have more fun than anyone. We, we socialize more than other kids. There's nothing to dancing or TV or, exactly. you know what I mean? It's like, yep. yeah, yep. you don't need any of those things. There's nothing good about them. Yep. Yeah. You can just hear them saying it, them absorbing it and then oh, yeah. re- spitting it back. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Lego references how they play broom ball every Friday and Saturday night with people from the community which, you know, we saw previously, <laughs> which now explains those exposed legs and shoulders that mm-hmm. we took notice of. So now yeah. we get it. It's just exposure to the community. Yeah. So, you know. And these heathens that check don't that wear box. modest clothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> our, our kids are, you know, they're part of the community and these fucking... <laughs> Hey, they got to see those two girls that worked for the minor league team wearing shorts. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So the next question gets down to it. Oh, she did it, guys. There you go. Because they ask, I was just curious about your belief on dancing and why your family doesn't believe in dancing. The, oh, this is, we already did it, but this is where I crossed off Duggar explaining. Uh-huh. This is where I wrote it down. Yeah. Um, so Joy says, um, probably as daddy says, he says that it's just some, some, some body shaking around their body and stuff. And I don't know. Then there is a slight eye roll. Did you notice this? Mm-mm. There's a slight eye roll as she says this. And, the, you know, it's like that upwards, like, well, dad says. And, like, yeah. the eyes go up. And she continues. He says there's no meaning to it. Mm-hmm. Tot- and what did they immediately cut to? 
It was a replay of the dancers that were at the Ethiopian restaurant. Yes, 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 exactly. Mm -hmm. Yep. But all of this is totally in line with how Josiah described rock mu- rock music, rock music. Um, back in the day. With the mm. there's re- there's really nothing to it. Yeah. And so she's just like, there's no meaning to it. It's the same thing. Like you can just mm-hmm. hear. Yep. Exactly what he's telling them all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like so if there's nothing to it and there's no meaning to it, what's the big deal? You know what I mean? It's like yeah. that's what's so funny to me is like. If it is nothing, like, yeah. what are we fucking freaking mm-hmm. out about? But it's really, it's not nothing if this is your big, right? You know? It's it's just a sad view because I feel like if you go back into previous human eras, dancing was a lot of things. It was community. It was communication. It was storytelling. It was, you know, it was worshiping a deity. It was you know celebrating different things like there was so many things that it was built upon that it was involved in rituals and all this stuff and just to be like no there's no there's nothing, nothing to, to it, it. Because, yeah yep. it's sad but that's that's their watered down response mm-hmm. lego gives now the real reason so it's like we got the watered down one that they sell the kids mm-hmm. and then he gives the real one saying we believe as a personal family conviction, this isn't something we judge anybody else on. Sure. <laughs> sure, mm. Jim Bob. Um, but we believe that dancing can stir up sensual desires, especially in guys when girls are shaking their... There's a... Like a pause. <laughs> An awkward pause, yeah. yeah. Shaking their parts of their body around. Sounds like something your dad would say. I thought he was going to do the, the nose laugh yeah, in that, I know. you know. Uh, Shaking their parts of their body around. And uh-huh. so we just don't believe it's something that our family wants to get involved in doing. <laughs> Meanwhile, they say that they don't judge others for it. But yeah. like you were saying, they're showing the clips of the Ethiopian them restaurant. judging yeah. the people and in the show, restaurant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they show them making faces and yeah. shrugging their shoulders. Uh-huh. And it's like, but they don't judge. Yeah. <laughs> what went through my head was the... I absolutely love Tim Robinson when he was on SNL and then he had like an internet show and then a show, but it reminded me the the thing that's going on on TikTok and reels where it's him going, you sure about that though? And <laughs> exactly. then it zooms in, you sure about that <laughs> yep, though? <laughs> exactly. But this whole thing though, this whole topic, like it, I just feel like in their case, they're saying they don't judge others to, to sort of save face, right? To not alienate a ton of watchers mm-hmm. or fans or like yeah. whatever, so they're like, "Oh no, no, we don't, we don't judge." I think that the motivation behind it is rather than not, isn't so much like not truly being judgmental mm-hmm. of those who do, but it's like, well, that's just my personal opinion. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're trying to just like spin it as like, it's the southern statement of, "Oh, well, bless their heart." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, you yeah. know when they say something really judgy, and I know this because of my buddy that's from Clarksville, Tennessee, and we talked about this before, where he was like, you add that at the end, where you realize that what you said about them was kind of judgy, and you and you want to you wanna sweeten it and change the subject real quick. So you go, oh, well, bless their heart. <laughs> <laughs> but let's just say, like, let's just take them at their word. They don't judge others who do it, but they don't do it themselves. 
Mm-hmm. Cool. But you have to take into account the messaging still that you're sending your kids. Mm-hmm. So as an adult, you know when to keep your mouth shut and smile and go along with it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, like we've seen them do. Meanwhile, their fucking kids are horrified. <laughs> like if you take it like at the restaurant or at the elementary school when those kids were mm-hmm. dancing. Remember how Michelle was going? Michelle was going with it. She's smiling. Yeah. She's even mm-hmm. kind of like moving or whatever. But her kids are fucking. Meanwhile, her kids are fucking dying inside. Oh yeah, that's the Giving difference. Hard between, side eye. Yes. I, yeah. That's the difference between an adult going like, well, even if I have these things, I kind of know when to like mm-hmm. go with you know yeah. play along. Versus kids who you've been teaching this whole time that this is bad. And then they're like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, it's happening. Mm -hmm. Kids don't have, they don't know as well how to react when they're faced with these things in real life. Right. When their entire life they've been taught something is bad. Mm -hmm. It's like, and I feel like you really have to take that into account. Like, so you can sit here all day and say like, oh, we don't judge. But it's like, what do you what are you telling your kids? Like, I think back to, um, like, Mama Jana. Mm-hmm. Remember when she was explaining the whole Nike code word about when, you know, they see something? Yeah. And, but do you remember how she followed that up with, with, like, well, some of the little kids take it a little too far. But it's like, I'm sorry. When there's a fucking code word to look down from a woman's V-neck shirt, <laughs> but somehow... The little kids are taking things too far. Right, right. I feel like you're not at all taking into account like how a child's brain works. Mm -hmm. Like when a parent or an authority figure of some sort in their life teaches something, they take it as Bible, so to speak, you Mm -hmm. know? And kids don't have those same filters. They don't have those same social cues to put on like the, the face. Grace, yeah. yeah, to put on mm-hmm. the face the way Michelle did. Did Meanwhile, her kids are fucking dying at the, yeah. the kids mm-hmm. dancing, you know, or whatever. And so while adult can be like, oh, it's just not for us, but we don't judge, a kid is going to... Yeah. They're going to show the real thing happening in the household, how it's mm-hmm. really being taught. Like, Correct. They're going to call it out as bad. Like, I think sometimes adults don't get it because they might think like, well, we never told them yeah. it's bad. We said, you know, this just isn't like they'll think in their head. Well, we never said that exact wording. Yeah. But it's like you have to take into account the messaging to a, a like a child's brain still translate. They translate it to bad. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't say every person that dances is bad. When you teach against it their entire yeah. lives that's the interpretation it's it's taught prejudice exactly that's what it is and even if it's not presented in a way where it's like everybody who does this is a horrible person like you said the message is still there the kids are going to remember that message and aren't able to differentiate what they need to do just to be just to get past it mm-hmm. or just to be like, well, that's what they do. So I'm just going to sit here politely or whatever exactly. it is. Yeah. They, they can't, they can't, it's, it's yeah. been so ingrained in them that, yeah. and they don't know how to just yeah. go with the flow. They're like, Oh God, it's mm-hmm. happening. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think everybody has things like that. I know I have two that I think of that I'm not going to go into that were things from my childhood that as I got older, I was like, Oh, that's, 
that's not how that is. That's not how the realism is, you yeah. know? And then I look back at, like, my opinions through certain times, and then I feel bad because I'm like, oh, I was completely wrong. Yeah, you know? yeah. No, yeah. but then you realize that because you you got older and you could actually think through it. But when uh-huh. you're a kid, you're taking it face That's value. That's what my parents what the, said. What your, your authority said. Yeah. And I say authority to be ironic, but also, and it's, it's, it could be your teacher. It could be your parent. Mm-hmm. It's like... You, you take it in and that's what you believe. Right. Like I think of my sister in the coffee story that I told previously. Uh-huh. I don't recall my parents ever saying the exact phrase, if you drink coffee, you're bad. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But definitely that's the interpretation I got as a child when I sat in church and they told us over and over, you're never supposed to drink coffee. You know what I mean? Right. It's like you can't say repeatedly over and over to a child, don't ever drink this without the literal child brain going, bad and that if you drink it bad. that's yeah. bad mm-hmm. so i guess my whole point in all this is is you can say the we don't judge comment comments like all you want like they're saying about mm-hmm. like dancing but if you truly mean that and you don't want your kids to judge then you have to think about how important your messaging is mm-hmm. yeah um like with my sister again with the coffee if my parents had just simply chosen not to drink coffee mm-hmm. Do you, I don't think there's a chance in hell that my sister would have been noticing, mm-hmm. let alone pointing out some fucking random ass woman <laughs> and her coffee purchase. Right. You wouldn't think anything of it. You wouldn't mm-hmm. even know it exists. But because you're so, it was such a thing mm-hmm. and taught against, she took notice. But if yep. you were just like, mm, that's not something, we just don't do it and you don't even bring it up. But it was it being taught that it's, right. we don't do this. Mm-hmm. I think that people don't real like adults don't stop and think about how much like if you teach we don't do this, it makes it bad to a child. Yeah, your kids are gonna pick up on undertones, you know. Yeah. So they wouldn't. She wouldn't approve of those windmills of sin. The Dutch brothers. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like my mom could, was mortified in that moment, but it's like. Well, I mean, what do you fucking expect? If you don't yeah. want to be mortified, don't tell your children their entire lives that cough like. We don't do coffee. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, but I never said it was bad, but you said, don't ever drink coffee. Right, exactly. It's the same shit when you're a child. Yep. Windmills more like sin mills, am I right? Merp. Pretty f- <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Which is really funny about my mother, because she still never drank coffee. Well, okay, so she had she kept instant espresso in the cabinet for when she had migraines. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I she would need the caffeine for that. But that was the only time she had coffee. Right. But my mom's shtick when she worked at my elementary school, she loved to brew the coffee for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, was that like your outlet? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. She was getting a little taste of sin. Yeah. And I was like, is that like, did you feel a part of it? Like, right. I don't know. But that was her thing. She'd go in and she'd brew the coffee every morning for everybody yeah. in the lounge. Well, I, d- I remember like when my dad used to drink coffee um, before work and stuff. And my mom always liked making it, but she never drank it herself. And she always told me, she was like, I love the smell of coffee. And she's like, but I don't like drinking it. So, I don't know. Maybe your mom had some of that in there. My mom just didn't, she knew she couldn't have the cup of sin, but she wanted to just get a little (laughs) hit of it, you know? (laughs) She wanted to get that contact buzz. Yep. (laughs) She used to um, drink Coke's Diet Coke in the morning. She called it her Coca-Chino. <laughs> oh uh, mother! Very funny. 
Okay, so I guess what I was getting at is you can't rail on about something and then expect a child to possibly get like, the nuance. Yeah, and not mm-hmm. like take it and run with it to the yeah. extreme. Like mm-hmm. you have to think about that. Um, so you have to be it's something you at any point you have to be prepared. Be prepared that that could happen. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so um, and, and I'm sorry, coffee makes me think of two stories and i will make them fast but they're really really funny so coffee and mormons and coffee is bad on mm-hmm. that line i remember um seeing a post in the exmo subreddit mm-hmm. two of them that made like they've always just stuck with me is like fucking hilarious one of them was an offer it was either like offer up or a facebook marketplace post mm-hmm. and they wouldn't call it um a coffee table <laughs> It was a uh-huh. hot, it was a hot chocolate table, <laughs> given strong pot yep. faith vibes. <laughs> pot faith, yep. <laughs> so it's a hot chocolate oh table, not a coffee table. <laughs> and then the other thing that always stuck with me was like someone that was no longer going to church, staying with their parents for like the holidays. I don't know, mm. staying with their parents for something, and they'd brought like an electric tea kettle with them, uh-huh. and it was like they like got a text from their mom that was like please respect the house and please take this out of um i don't want this in our house and i can't believe you bring this here and they were like mom it heats up hot water and they're like but we know what you use it for <laughs> and, and i remember and I, if i remember correctly they were using it for something not even any of those things they're like i brought it for like the whatever oh but God. it was just like the well we know like it's fucking drug paraphernalia like you find like you found a fucking crack pipe in the kitchen but yeah. they're like an electric tea kettle oh my god I learned it from watching you. If you guys remember that PSA out there. Okay, those are real quick, but I just had to throw those in there because the talk of coffee makes me think of. <laughs> when I was training at the new job that I work for, so I was training at a different um, restaurant in the same brand in here in town. So it was that thing where like I was learning all the actual like food stuff and like the line level jobs. So then when I went to my actual store as the executive chef, it wasn't here my line levels are teaching me everything. I at least had a basis of understanding and one of the prep cooks when I was training bought everybody um Black Rock Coffee, which is a, a like a drive-through coffee shop and they have a bunch of different stuff. It's like uh Edgy Dutch Brothers is kind of the way that they market themselves, but very good coffee, I will promote. Um, But she told me about a thing that she called the white girl swirl, and it was where you hold your your big coffee with your yeah you you put your hand facing down in the claw claw. and you grab it from the top and then you swirl it to get all the flavors mixed in. And I was I felt so ancient because I'm like. We don't drink coffee like this on a regular basis. So then I was like, now I'm having this coffee. Now I learned this new technique. So on the subject of coffee, I had never learned the white girl swirl. I drink coffee every damn day of my life. I'm just too cheap to buy at places. (laughs) Like I just, I make it at home. Yep. Yeah. So every, every once in a while I will, I will, um, if we have a rough day at work, I will door dash black rock coffee for, me and like my other chefs well when i worked at the hospital like 
during my like buyer days and stuff like that. I had one because I worked an 11 to 7.30 shift. I had a coffee from the coffee shop every day, an iced coffee every day at 3.30. Mm-hmm. But I got like basic bullshit. It was like sugar-free syrup and heavy cream and like fucking, you know what I mean? Like I'm not like the... So you didn't do the white girl swirl? You didn't I, no, I did because you had to... white no, cappuccino? Well, no, I didn't get special stuff. But it's like you do have to do the swirl because you're, you're, the ice starts to melt and you got to redistribute. So Man. yes, I definitely did the white girl swirl but now that i don't work in that setting where it's so accessible to me like i'm not leaving the house to get coffee when i got a fucking coffee maker here it's not fucking happening mildred and i will be fine okay so um during that same question on the dancing we're still on dancing lego also addresses how they listen to mostly classical music and hymns and a lot of times, rock music has an offbeat that causes even little kids to kind of dance around. Can't, can't have that. And as he's saying this, they flash back to our dancing mm. king jiggling around. Yep. Remember how it was jiggling oh, yeah. back in that episode? There was no um, dancing going on. Yep. So he's jiggling. And you know what I found funny about that? This happening this episode? It was just this week that I wrote a little... Little little diddly you know myself about our dancing king yep in the style of abba yeah we were having we were um having family couch time and it Mm -hmm. just came to me because i think i heard like i I think i was watching a reel that had abba in the back and so it was he is our dancing king he's not free child 15 pretty good very nicely done so that is our uh ode to jackson the dancing king (laughs) The dancing king himself. And just to round out this whole section on dancing, Canon closes out with, uh, for me personally, I feel like I can find other things to do with my time. But she's not like judging you or anything. <laughs> it just felt so <laughs> like, condescending where it's like, oh, look at you wasting your time tapping your toe. Like that's how that felt. Yeah, you know I can I, mean? I can do other things. I'm over here doing productive things. <laughs> like, While you're like dancing. Right. But I'm not judging you or anything. It's just a personal conviction. <laughs> the next question is what they do for each child's birthday. Really nothing that hasn't been... Mm-hmm. We haven't covered previously, but as Michelle is answering, suddenly Jamesy Bug yells, "Mama, Jordan's like choking." <laughs> and Michelle very calmly says, "Hold on just a minute," and laughs. And it even says so in captioning. It wasn't just my ears. <laughs> it says laughs. Uh. And she's like, "That's one to stop for." Um, and, and then she goes, it's like very Lego style in the airport when Jackson is lost. Like, there's no fucking sense of urgency whatsoever. <laughs> uh, like, like one would expect when you're being informed that your child, like, you know, might be choking. <laughs> uh, luckily, she's okay. But I am unimpressed <laughs> with the lack of movement. I, I'm expecting a little knee to chest. Just a little something. <laughs> the word choking alone would send me into a fucking... Listen to me running. And then this woman's just like, ha ha, that's one to get up for. Do you think, so there's a scene in a show that I've watched that I don't remember what show it is at this point, but it was somebody who was sitting at home and hears a kid crying and was like, God, that kid's annoying. God, is somebody going to get the, and they're like, oh God, that's my kid. Like it was, <laughs> that's how that feels where she was like, God, Jana, can you stop? Oh, oh damn, Jana's <laughs> oh, not here. That's oh, me. Oh, 
Exactly. God, Jill is just so lately. Oh, shit. Yeah, like, that's <laughs> yeah. what that felt like. So the next question is if they ever cook any international foods. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Lego says, I tell you what, we love spaghetti, fettuccine, we love pizza, we love tacos, burritos. It just makes my mouth water just thinking about this. The best part is it was a French woman that was asking her, you know, the gourmands of the world. And I will say, I do appreciate that Michelle does at least acknowledge. So, like, uh, (laughs) what the girl truly meant. Yeah. Because Cannon says, our idea of Mexican or Italian Uh, food (laughs) that we make is not authentic. We know. So, (laughs) So, I appreciate that there's like a little bit of self-awareness there in regards to like the heart of what the girl's really actually like she mm-hmm. doesn't mean fucking pizza like you know <laughs> um but god she says italian italian yeah i'm i think i'm i had one trash bag person in my life say I, italian and then pes said italian and i'm like <laughs> oh my god and then now canon so it's italian italian yep a lot of this, when when it was like, oh, we love Italian food, and it said all these things that are, you know, kind of like you said, a little bit, a little bit not traditional. <laughs> not the list was very funny. Reference of the of this part was The Simpsons. Lisa decides she's going to be vegetarian, and Homer's like, "You're not going to eat bacon." She goes, "No, ham, no." pork chops and she goes dad those are all the same animal and he goes sure lisa a magical animal (laughs) Um, one guy asks if any kids have had broken bones Mm -hmm. and joy's answer cracks me up she says um yeah josiah one time it was about nine or ten around there anyways he was climbing a tree with cowboy boots and i was standing under the branch and stuff and he almost hit me when he fell down and then there's this long ass pause it's a long pause and then she goes and broke his arm (laughs) (laughs) yeah And it's just funny because she focuses so much on how he almost fell on her. her, yeah. And then it's like, oh, yeah, and, like, he broke his arm. Because I was really like, where is she going with this? Yeah. It's like an afterthought that he broke his arm, but she's like, he almost fell on me. (laughs) But but I'm like, that's sibling-esque. That's like fucking, this fucking asshole almost fell on me. Oh, yeah, and he, like, broke his arm. They also showed a lot of clips during this question of of good old Hanny because she's real clumsy. <laughs> she fucking, she's she eats clumsy. shit a lot <laughs> all like, the time. Yeah, yep. But good on her. She like gets like, right back up. Mm-hmm. They showed her like tripping with that stool. Oh god, that like, was, that caused me such anxiety. That time that she like hit her head on the tile with boob. Yeah, yeah. Like oh, she eats <laughs> shit a lot and boogers. <laughs> They did say at the end of this clip that um, I think Cannon said something like, you know, that they've been lucky that like none of the or no, maybe it was in the blurb on the bottom. But it said that none of the kids suffer from a chronic illness, which I did think was interesting with that many children. They are seriously like, but that's the thing is like they well, well, pest is pest. No, you'll see going forward. But like for the most part that she went this long and she didn't have serious traumatic births, you'll kind of see some stuff going forward. But like. 
to go 18 kids and not have like this massively traumatic birth to go that and not have special needs to go this far well i mean there might be that they're not attending to but i mean but there's nothing so obvious that it almost feels like for this many kids mm. they haven't been hit with the st- statistics you think might happen right and i'm like so maybe it's easier to just keep popping out kids when you haven't been faced with like hey like a chronic illness that might mm. make you think twice about letting him paw right. at you every other fucking day you know <laughs> So this next one gets into it. A woman asks, with all of the concern about the environment in our country right now and everyone trying to do their part, what do you think about how enormous, and she emphasizes enormous, mm. your carbon footprint has to be? Um, and But she doesn't stop there. She expands on this saying, mm. I mean, with all those kids, the clothes, the food, the trips, it seems like it could be very, very big footprint. She was dripping with mustard. Oh, yeah. And Lego's response is that their carbon footprint by, like, individually is less than most people's because they carpool most everywhere. And, you know, they have, like, hand-me-down clothes and things. And then Cannon says that they're resourceful and make use of things that other people discard um, and will... Buy, used, and save the difference. There it is. There we go. Okay. Um, and then an email asks if the girls ever wear pants, and if they wanted to, would they be allowed to? <laughs> and while this is a bit of a we-know-the-answer type of question, I included it because of a few things. First of all, Cannon says that she and the girls wear skirts and dresses most of the time. But I think the choice of the word most is sort of padding this. You know what I mean? Like, what, when you're not in the shower? Yeah. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, like, you're, like, trying to soften this somehow, whether consciously or subconsciously, because I don't think there's ever a point that they're wearing pants. Yeah. So I'm just like, what the fuck are you talking about, lady? And also, um, for as much as I'm sure they get asked this a lot mm-hmm. michelle kind of fumbled it a little bit did you notice <laughs> yeah like not terribly but when she's describing it as a personal conviction mm-hmm. she um that she came to use years earlier she says if i would wear a dress or a skirt that um that would be more um looks up like she's like looking up mm-hmm. while she's saying this um of the style of clothing clothing that the lord wanted me to wear but I just mentioned this because it's just not as confident as and as smooth as you might expect yeah. at this point. Because For, I think a lot of the other answers are were like practice. They're, yeah. They've been practiced over years. But I'm like, I feel like you should know, like, be like, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. Doug explained this pretty easily. But she's just like, ah, and like looking up and like fumbling. I think I, when I listened to it and watched it, I, I think it was the second part of the question. Because it wasn't just hey, why don't you guys wear pants? It was, if your daughters ever wanted to, would they be able to? Mm-hmm. Or would you let them? So I feel like that part threw the monkey wrench in because now it had to be, oh shit, now I got to find a reason for my my daughters to, to, to not want to. You know what I mean? Well, she says that the girls don't know any different, which is true. Yeah. They don't. And then Joy says, we could if we wanted to. I don't buy that for a fucking know. second. You sure about that? Yeah. <laughs> but but we like wearing skirts a lot. And it, it's more modest, I guess you could say. 
it's just very much again with the like the we love it right yeah that's all we know but we love it yeah. we love taking care of all the kids <laughs> and cleaning all the time and yeah. wearing our hair how our dad wants and wearing skirts mm-hmm. we love it um they ask what they're going to do when they don't have kids in the house anymore and canon says that's a good question i hope i don't have ever have to figure that one out but what I'm hearing is, dear God, please don't leave me alone with this buffoon. <laughs> is that what you hear? A little bit, yeah. That's what I hear. <laughs> and Lego says that they'll have lots of grandkids to visit them. And Cannon gets more specific and says, I think I would always like to have a toddler in the house. Somehow, some way. At least having grandbabies that come around or uh, get to visit. And then Lego estimates that they could have about 200 grandkids. And that is the end. Yep. It's kind of not, it's not a really interesting one because there's no older kids there to answer questions. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like in the future, there's these types of episodes where I'm like, at least the older kids are there because they can expand a little bit more. The little kids are just like, meh. Yeah. And Lego and Canon are Lego and Canon. (laughs) The last thing I had about this episode was when they were talking about being recognized and being on TV. Like, if if they weren't on TV and they were just kind of popular within their own little community and the stuff with Pest still went down, he would have just been a statistic. Yeah. Like, not anything. And the fact that they were on this platform just blew all of that up in proportion, you know. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of a Doctor Who episode because he meets Richard, the Doctor meets Richard Nixon like early in his presidency and when they finally get through the very end of the episode or the two-part episode and he gets to the end the doctor's about to leave and richard nixon goes wait doctor i have a question are people gonna remember me and he's like oh tricky dicky <laughs> they're never gonna forget you and then yep. gets in the tardis and goes away <laughs> yeah pretty much yep all right. So not the most interesting episode, but it took a long time to get through because it's just like so many questions, but it's not like riveting information. <laughs> but there was a phone belt clip. I was I was enthralled. It's the kerchief. <laughs> Who cares about the phone belt clip? That's tired. It's yeah. the kerchief that really rang me. And by the way, if I had gotten Squisper, I would have gotten a bingo. Oh damn. Okay. Yeah, I didn't I didn't have anything close. I just had some threes. Well, mine was only three, but then if but I had the free space for mm, four. Still counts. But if I'd gotten Squisper, <laughs> damn it. All right. Today, we're going to be discussing character. You may have noticed over the course of 58 episodes that character is a real focal point in IBLP. We've heard it come up several times in digs, and Cannon even mentioned how the emphasis on character in the HEI curriculum was a major selling point to them. Fuck math, though. <laughs> and anything taught, like, not, you know, not taught as an analogy, fuck that, too. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, character. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just had a whole dig full of characters. Oh, yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Yep. We might even hear the word character more often than we hear the word basic in various IBLP texts, which is saying a lot, because you hear that a lot. 
That's because Bill Gothard says, One of God's primary goals for believers is to transform them into the image of his Son so that they may be, re- may be a reflection of the character of Christ. Life will take on a whole new meaning as you begin to understand the importance of character and see the lasting rewards of life that exhibits the character of God. Okay. So basically, it's all about character. <laughs> see what I did there? We said it enough. See what I did there with basically, though? I Get see it? it? See it? See it? I'm not going to get too deep into the actual character qualities themselves today. Uh, I think I could actually do that as its own separate thing at some point. But just, I just want to go over a few things real quick to give you a basic understanding. Oh, she's going to use it. We're going to count. We're going to count how many times you fit it in there. Uh, Listen here, Meow. Of what they are and how they work. So there are 49 character qualities and each of them have an opposite quality to contrast them okay they relate each quality to an animal that exhibits that character quality and they highlight bible passages that illustrate those qualities as well whether it it be the good quality or the contrasting bad one okay for example for the character quality of diligence the counter quality is slothfulness and the animal that demonstrates that character is the beaver. And the counter animal, go figure, is a sloth. I don't know how they got that. <laughs> now, another reason that Bill says we should focus on character rather than achievements is because achievements can breed jealousy and resentment. So instead, you focus on the character quality behind the achievement. Okay. So this is why you hear Michelle, for example, praise her kids like when she'll praise them, it'll be for something like diligence rather than the actual action they're doing. Okay. So like the like the underlying theme? Exactly. Okay. So I interpret that as sort of like, oh, maybe not everyone can do exactly what John David is doing, but everyone can be diligent. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like let's not breed, you know, comparison and resentment and jealousy. Right. Because you can't cut down a tree like John David, but we can all be diligent is how, like how I kind of interpret that. Okay. Which may not sound like the worst thing ever, especially when um, compared to some of the really terrible things we know are coming out of IBLP. Oh, God. But like when you stop and think about it, though, it's like it still is kind of sad that the kids really only get praised in these very broad terms. Mm-hmm. And I thought back to all the times that in the show that I know I've heard it and noticed it, but like I'm really going to notice it going forward now. It's all very broad and vague because that's exactly what they're taught to do. So the girls might be praised for taking initiative. But it's like every once in a while, can you just like throw them like an itemized list of exactly, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, yeah, just like. Please, every once in a while, maybe I just want to hear exactly what I'm doing instead mm-hmm. of just like this, like, you're really diligent. You took initiative. You're, yeah. you know. But I, I feel like it also makes it very easy for the bad qualities to also be pointed out. <laughs> so, again, when when you're just being a human, which is not allowed with them and having feelings, which is, mm-hmm. you know, not allowed because you're a person and not a fucking robot. I feel like you kind of get your face smeared, you know, like you like smear your face in it a little bit more, mm-hmm. so to speak. 
like it always has it's always stuck out to me for example there was one instance which you'll see way down the road where jill told ginger that she needed to work on her contentment oh and contentment is one of the character qualities Mm -hmm. so like do you get what i mean like yeah when your whole life is centered around these like good qualities and the contrasting bad Mm -hmm. ones and it's talked about incessantly and you're made to memorize them it just makes it that much easier for people to weaponize them against you and make you feel like shit Mm -hmm. well it feels like the feels like the positive things you do can be melted down into this like overarching idea of what you did well but then when it's something bad they have some they have a way to like needleize it like exactly. very make it very specific as to what you did wrong but then when you do something good it's just a general idea exactly so it's like you don't get any credit for anything you just get blamed for stuff it's really easy to point out the shit too mm-hmm. like yeah but like it was literally in everything with them it's in their school curriculum it's mm-hmm. in those family wisdom searches there's even IBLP games based off them, mm-hmm. which, a little fun little side note, I bought one of them. Oh, my God. It's called the Character Curriculum Series. Okay. And it is a card game. I bought it. The plastic is still on the cards. Oh, wow. So, we have it. I have it on the dining table right now. And it's not a super visual. They have other games that are a little bit more visual that are mm-hmm. IBLP games. This one is less visual, so I feel like maybe we should play it for a pickle episode. <laughs> That'd be good, yeah. So, But it's all about character. So that's what I mean by it's literally in everything. They're like, want to play a game? It's going to be about character. <laughs> like It is so drilled in them mm-hmm. is kind of the point I'm trying to get at. I play games with character too. Video games. Mm-hmm. You Same play thing. as a uh, character. Yeah. Same thing, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. whatever. So character has always been weaved into Bill's messaging, All the way back to the very beginning, but the very first time, as far as I can tell at least, that character became its own separate thing was back in the mid-70s when the character sketches were first developed. (laughs) If you remember back to our very first episode of season three, these character sketches were what Steve Gothard was working on when it first came to light that he was harassing females, Mm -hmm. uh, employees. So then Bill sent him away to Northwoods to a private playground so that he could then harass women with more privacy. So, you know, just get sent and away. more beautiful so, scenery. I mean, exactly. that place was nice. On you the know. water, you know. Yeah. Um, oh, you know, and work on character sketches. So, uh, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So these character sketches have a wonderful origin story, don't they? <sighs> And these character sketches came in three volumes with the third and final releasing in 1985. So now that we've covered a little history on the character qualities, we're going to move into how Bill Gothard's character teachings slowly, or quickly, depending on how you look at it, made its way into businesses, public education, government, prisons, and law enforcement. Oh, man. We're, spoiler alert, we're playing the long game here. You'll see why. <laughs> So, to explain how this all got started, first we have to discuss IBLP and Russia. Now, I could do an entire dig on IBLP and its various connections with Russia, and I might do so in the future, but today it's going to be whittled down to what pertains to getting this whole character ball rolling. Mm -hmm. 
In the 1991 ATI newsletter, Bill recounts how God had given him a longing to respond to the spiritual hunger he knew existed in Russia. His words, not mine. Okay. And what do you know, just three days later, he gets a phone call from someone who says that they've been so impressed by his ATI students and ask if he could send a thousand of them to go into Russian schools to deliver Bibles and to serve as an example of the joy and power of living a Christian life. Okay. This results in a series of trips back and forth on both ends. The superintendent of 40 Moscow schools, as well as a Moscow Christian leader. That's the only way he refers to them. He just says, like, Christian leader. So I don't know what else to say. So that's what I'm going to say. I don't know what their role really is. It feels like extras in a movie (laughs) where it's like, Russian minister, one. Exactly. Russian boy, two. Yep. So this, um, the superintendent of the schools and this Christian leader, they were one of the first to come to the States to visit IBLP headquarters. And apparently the Christian leader said, Russian young people need to see dedicated Christians like the ones you have here. Other Christian groups are coming with wrong music and worldly standards and are causing great harm to the believers in Russia. Sounds real familiar. I mean, I guess this is all very believable. In the beginning, just a couple of months after the initial request, there was a small team of ATI students, about 44 of them, that went to Russia as a sort of tester before the trips grew bigger. But before the end of 1991, over 300 ATI students would visit visit Russian schools. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm unclear as to exactly when, but at some point the seminars were held over there as well. Because, okay. I mean, you, you, you can't just get the kids. You got to reel in the parents, too, you know? <laughs> Duh. I, you, you can't miss an opportunity to get the whole family drinking the flavor aid, you know? Oh, well, yeah. Well, they're the ones with the rubles, you know? Yeah. So you got to. You got to get them all. Yeah. Got to catch them all. Got it. <laughs> I want to be the very best. <laughs> Like no one ever was. Every just like the first time we kind of talked about this. Every time you say ATI, I think about Automotive Technical Institute, which is an auto. It's like a mechanic trade school here in Arizona. There's a lot of ATIs. There's like um, a nursing ATI. Oh really? Like when you look up ATI, it's like there's a million ATIs. <laughs> in my head, I'm like, he sent a bunch of motorcycle mechanics over to Russia. On January 25th of 1992, the representatives of the Moscow Public School System and the IBLP Board of Directors signed an agreement at IBLP headquarters stating that every classroom of Moscow Public Schools would be opened up to the Advanced Training Institute program, Hmm. but also that the schools would be used on Sundays to bring parents and students together for more biblical instruction. So, church. So, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's like, okay. (laughs) Also outlined in the agreement was that the Institute would also be given an office in the Moscow Department of Education building. Wild. As well as being given a building to start an IBLP headquarters there. So, things are really moving fast and IBLP is making a big mark over in Russia. Damn. Now, I just want to tell a few little stories about some of these trips. 
One of the trips that the Russians made to IBLP headquarters consisted of 230 officials and some youth, since this was going to involve, you know, <laughs> children's education. Mm-hmm. One of those was Boris Yeltsin. Wow. But not the Boris Damn. Yeltsin. Then president of Russia. But his 11-year-old grandson. Okay. Now, I paid $3 (laughs) to read a few old 90s Chicago Tribune articles about this trip. So, I felt the need to share something about them to get my money's worth. Because if you think about it, like when people buy us a pickle, $5, right? Mm -hmm. Buy me a coffee, takes their cut. We get four something, right? Right. So, for me paying $3 to read these articles, it's basically someone's pickle. So, I'm like, we got to get something out of this, okay? (laughs) That's my justification here. So, the trip started off with a tennis event because Boris attended a tennis academy back home in Russia. Okay. So, before they went up to Northwoods Retreat Center, you know, like the real, you know, the fun place. Yeah. For the real stuff, they kicked off the trip at a tennis club. And here's where we get the goods. Oh, man. Apparently, young Boris chose the ham sandwich (laughs) over the other offerings of roast beef and turkey. Ooh, the juice. So How did young, you get the gossip like that? Young Boris is a fan of ham. <laughs> he also, you're going to like this one, Tim. You really are. I'm not even joking. I'm ready. He also squealed with delight when he turned on the TV in the clubhouse of the racket club mm-hmm. and saw that an episode of Battlestar Galactica was playing. Hell yeah. So I thought you'd like that. Uh, young Boris, he also likes Coca-Cola. Oh, and it was his actual 11th birthday during the trip. I don't think it was necessarily this day, but during his trip. Please tell me Chuck E. Cheese. They had a vanilla pizza. They had a vanilla cake with his face on it. Okay. Not, not the worst thing they could do. But Battlestar Galactica and ham. Exactly. And ham. And ham. (laughs) So that $3 didn't quite pan out how I thought it would, but I felt the need to share something for the money spent. (laughs) So there you go, people. Man, I was hoping you were reading the itinerary of our next vacation. Thank you, Chicago Tribune. We're going to watch Battlestar Galactica. Eat ham. We're going to eat some ham, and then eventually we're going to have vanilla cake. And Coke. And Coca-Cola. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And we're going to make a racket. Yep. Oh, no, he was at a racket. Never mind. Okay. I misunderstood that part. Okay. <laughs> also, I just want to say that in all of Bill's like recounts of all these visits, and basically everything about this whole deal in Russia, the way he jerks himself off. <laughs> like S- Surprise. <laughs> he wasn't wearing jeans to bed. Is that way? Uh, I mean, but, but I mean, for real, it's in all of his writings, but it's like, <laughs> IBLP and IT is the best thing ever, and the entire world is just so impressed with us. Just listen to what they had to say about us. I mean, that's the vibe all the time. Yeah. It's ex- like, I read it, and I'm like, I'm exhausted. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> Always. But in one of these many stories where he's, you know, doing the jerk, he talks about Mrs. Yeltsin, wife of the Boris Yeltsin, mm-hmm. not the 11-year-old fan of ham. The 11-year-old uh, Battlestar fan does not have a wife, by the way. Okay. So Good. the president's wife has been paying visits to orphanages in Russia. She'd visited one previously and then came back to it again several weeks later. 
and allegedly was just amazed at the improved attitudes of the orphans. So she asked the director, like, what happened? And the director replied, A group of students from the institute visited our orphanage several days ago. Since their visit, the entire attitude of the orphanage has changed. We're changing lives over here. I was really hoping you were going to be like, well, have you ever heard of Battlestar Galactica? (laughs) The kids are like, you know, a bunch of crunchy haired girls and skirts were just here and suddenly life is looking up. You know? Yeah. Isn't that what happens? He's like, have you ever heard of Broom Ball? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, funny. So this account is only made funnier when Bill goes on to say, false cults have become aware of the fertile ground in the hearts of these orphans. They have already begun to spread their teachings. Um, kind of like you, Monica, maybe? Monica, <laughs> the kettle. Buddy, you're one of the cults preying on those orphans. Exactly. <laughs> Find You're, the vulnerable, get in there. Yep. You find the vulnerable ones, you tease him with ham and Battlestar Galactica, <laughs> and you're in. So, skipping over various details, you're getting the picture that IBLP <laughs> is now a thing over in Russia. Mm-hmm. Even more specifically, a large presence in their school system. Okay. Fast forward a year and a half to later in 1993. Now they're requesting that ATI students come back to Russia this time to teach the Russian teachers how to teach character studies to their students. So they've graduated to part two. Yes. Okay. And this is when it seems like the character booklets first come into play. Up to that point, it had been the character sketches, Mm -hmm. but now each character quality is its own booklet. So there's 49 booklets. So the character sketches and the character booklets aren't the same, but they are... But also they aren't. Okay. But they are. <laughs> like it's like truth really though, like it's par for the course with Bill Gothard and IBLP. <laughs> he just sells the same information mm-hmm. over and over in a slightly different format all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh well now it's like the booklets and not the sketches. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, like it's so different, you know. Yeah. You they're still fucking money. they're still fucking animals. They're still Bible passages. They're still yeah. it's still there's still diligence. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. After we did the Barbie episode, I showed Whitney the Simpsons episode about Malibu Stacy, where Lisa creates her own doll that has like integrity and blah blah blah. <laughs> yeah. And then she does all this work to make this doll, and then at the end it gets overshadowed by Malibu Stacy and it's the same doll but it has a new hat. And then all the girls freak out and buy all of it. That's this. He's like, hey, it's more character stuff, but look at its new hat. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Basically. Merp. Uh, that's number four. There now is. with more animals. like that's how they- <laughs> Yep. So this is also the first time that we hear of ATI materials being sort of sold to people as b- not being religious. Okay. I'll explain a little bit. So in a nutshell, the patriarch of the Orthodox Church was against the seminars and ATI and all of it, pretty much. Mm -hmm. He had actually been trying to get the seminars canceled and everything. Like, he was not down with this whole thing, is basically my takeaway. Okay. Basically, merp. Um, 
But the educational officials were like, no, 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 no. ATI is about universal character. It's not about religion. Mm. So IBLP ends up sending over their new character booklets because that's at their request. Like, basically, Russia school system was like, hey, can you do this, like, character stuff? And so they create these booklets for it. So when the Orthodox patriarch uh, is like, no, 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 no. So they end up sending over their new character booklets. um, And the patriarch's assistant ends up reading it. And allegedly, this assistant said... This is exactly what our people need. We will instruct all of our priests to support your program. Oh, okay. Meanwhile, the patriarch had actually assembled a council to review all of the booklets. And in April of 1993, IBLP got word that they were fully in support of the character booklets and everything being taught in them. Damn. Allegedly, they even went so far as to request permission to either print more of these booklets themselves or for IBLP to print them, and they would pay for them to be shipped from Chicago to Moscow. Because, quote, if these booklets will just get into the hands of our people, their lives will be transformed. Damn. I I bet Bill obviously wanted the second option of those two, where he gets them printed and then they get sold to Russia. Mm Mm-hmm. So Bill cites this as being a really big deal because, quote, the Russian Orthodox Church is routinely opposing every religious group that comes into Russia, especially those seeking involvement in the public schools. However, because of the universal presentation of the character booklets, they have said to us, you have our full blessing to present these materials in the Russian public schools. He then ends it by saying, Every booklet explains how to become how to become a born again Christian. <laughs> but it's not religious, folks. I'm confused. Mm-hmm. You're saying it's universal, not religious. Yeah. And then immediately saying it explains how to become born again. <laughs> Which the fuck is it? Yeah. I think it depends on who they were trying to pander to at the moment. Like, oh, are you trying yes. to get this into a school? No. Cool, sell it a certain way. Are you yep. trying to get this into church? Let's sell this a certain yep. way. Let's... You are hitting on the exact themes I will be talking about. <laughs> so I'll touch on this again later and why I feel like this is such a pivotal moment. But for now, just know that everything continues to grow over in Russia very, very quickly. Wow. Now we're going to jump to December of 1993, and Bill shares how a new character training program was launched by Kim Ray Corporation in January of 1992 for its employees. Mm -hmm. Each month, the company company emphasizes a quality such as attentiveness, gratefulness, punctuality, diligence, orderliness, or honesty. Then on each of the, every employee, when it's their anniversary, they're given... Uh, public praise by their supervisor highlighting a few of the specific character qualities that the employee has demonstrated weird everything about that was weird (laughs) basically the people over at kim ray took the iblp character quality materials originally created for russia Mm. and just scrubbed them of the religious verbiage to make it acceptable in the workplace while still relaying the same message. Mm. Bill said after one year of this program, the results were just so amazing that Kim Ray's chairman of the board and chief operating officer were being approached by other companies 
on how they could implement a similar program for their own employees. Okay. So they began hosting monthly trainings to, to other to like teach these other companies all about it. And they were holding these trainings at the IBLP Training Center in Indianapolis. That is until the Kim Ray Corporation purchased a 220-room hotel in Oklahoma City that they gifted to the Institute. Wow. Damn. But let's talk about some of the half-transparencies in all of this. Now, Bill, he names the organization plenty of times, Kim Ray. Mm-hmm. But notice how he didn't name names. He just says chairman of the board and things like that. Okay. Well, the chairman of Kimray is Tom Hill. The same Tom Hill that was on the IBLP board of directors. Oh, there it is. Now, I couldn't find exact dates for when he served on the board as far as month and day goes Mm -hmm. but he was on the board of directors from 1993 to 2005 everything i just shared came from bill via newsletter in december of 1993 okay so it's funny that sometime that year he became a member of the board after he began implementing iblp inspired character teachings into his business an entire year prior wow but you won't outright say that it's him that you're referring to of course. You're going to keep that vague. Mm-hmm. Suspicious. It's, I yeah. mean, you know. Also, he explicitly says that Kim Ray, so uh, a member of your board, was teaching these classes at one of the IBLP training centers at first, and then, then goes on to say that Kim Ray, so a member of your board, <laughs> um, then gifts them a hotel. In that newsletter... That's that's the only thing he addresses. Okay. He, he doesn't mention that they then moved their trainings to that center that they just bought for them. Um, I found that information out somewhere else. Oh, damn. So isn't it just funny the things that he leaves out? No, oh, conveniently. He loves to tell stories, <laughs> just parts of them. Right. So closing out this section of the newsletter, it said, Kim Ray's chairman stated... Quote, as a result of the character training, our company has had the most profitable months in our history. Even though the market we served is de- depressed, furthermore, workmen's compensation claims have decreased 80%, while employees' morale has risen to an all-time high. It's all about money. <laughs> um, this topic then pops up again a few months later in February of 1994 in the newsletter. This section is titled, how the universal need for character is opening up the corporate world to ATI. Oh my. It goes on to say when the CEO of the other and other executive officers at a major multinational corporation learned how character qualities had increased the profits of another company by 25%, reduced workmen's compensation claims by 80%, and increased efficiency and morale at an all-time high. They're referring to Kim Ray. <laughs> they requested a meeting and invited other companies to learn about this new approach to business. This is like multi-level marketing here. Because, you know, IBLP is about a new approach to life. Well, so now yeah. it's a, a new approach to business. <laughs> and then when they start their farms, it'll be a new approach to farming. Yep. And then when they start, yeah. Um, it goes on to say 40 other companies attended that meeting because it was sponsored by this $4.5 billion 50,000 employee yeah. corporation. 
It really is multi-level marketing mm-hmm. because you're having this company sell your product to other people, other companies, and now you don't have to do the legwork. In February, this company asked us if we could design a character training manual that they could use for all their managers and employees. As this program moves forward, we believe it will provide unprecedented opportunities for ATI students and families in the business world. Wow. So we see that this is growing. <laughs> As far as I could find, unless I missed it somewhere, I don't see this topic addressed again until August of 1996, but that makes sense. Okay. Which I'll explain. So in the August newsletter, they rehashed the same stats as before about Kim Ray, the increased profits, reduced workman's comp, mm-hmm. same old, same old. But this time they also highlight the Hollytex Corporation who had taken the training and also implemented these character materials. Okay. Hollytech said, not only are we seeing a different look on the faces of our people, but in addition, vendors, customers, and others are telling us how they can feel the difference when they walk through the door. They also highlighted awards and recognitions that they'd received that they attribute to this implementation in their company. Damn. Bill Gothard should have used that as a slogan. IBLP, feel the difference. <laughs> <All right. laughs> So Bill says, quote, with unprecedented results such as these, a growing number of companies are asking for character training for their employees. On November 13th through 15th, 1996, a Character First conference will be held at the Oklahoma City Training Center, the one Kim Ray bought. Right. That will prepare ATI fathers in the CEO program to contact contact companies in order to implement the character training program. So this is the very first time that we see the name Character First, complete with the little trademark symbol next to it. Oh, okay. That's because even though Tom Hill implemented this in his own company in 1992, then began teaching it to others in 1993, it's this year in 1996 that he officially founds the Character Training Institute. Okay. A tax-exempt, non-profit educational organization with the mission to instill 49 character qualities into four major civil institutions. Family, business, education, and law enforcement. <laughs> and this is really where the ball gets rolling and all hell breaks loose. Oh my God. So while this all originally started geared towards businesses... Now they are directly stating their goals of having this implemented into education and law enforcement. Oh, my God. And they waste no time. All through that inaugural year, they work on the education aspect and launch character-first education in schools in 1997. And then it's rapid fire after that. In 1998, they launched the International Association of Character Cities which is the branch that focuses on getting into government one city at a time. Oh, my goodness. And then from there, just, you know, it snowballs. The same way IBLP is an umbrella organization with all these offshoots, like, you know, offshoots like ATI and, you know, like they have Mm -hmm. all these alerts and all these different things. Right. The Character Training Institute becomes a smaller, secular version of that. And I say secular with air quotes. So the more approachable version. Exactly. So under CTI, we get character first for business, character first education, 
the Association of Character Cities, but also Character First in Prisons, and finally, the police version of it called Police Dynamics. Oh, you got to rebrand, you know? So I said secular in air quotes because that's what they want you to believe. Of course. That's how they're selling it. And it's like, and if you don't know, you don't know. Mm-hmm. It is kind of one of those situations mm-hmm. because legally they are two separate entities. Right. On paper, it's in no way associated with IBLP. Mm-hmm. But it's completely based on IBLP materials, founded and ran by a member of the IBLP board of directors, <laughs> ran by L- IBLP members, and they all share a fucking building. Wow. I mean, technically, it's a different business. And technically is my favorite way to be correct. (laughs) So for the most part, Bill Gothard does stay away and try to keep his name out of all of it. And that's why on a surface level, people don't know any better. They're like, character? How can character be bad? And they have no fucking clue. It's money laundering. Basically. That's all this is. It's money laundering. (laughs) Yeah. So, like I said, for the most part, Bill stays away, and I think that's clearly on purpose. Taking it back to when I said how getting the character curriculum into Russia and, like, approved by the patriarch, Mm -hmm. how I felt like that was a pivotal moment, I feel like that's when he realized... The power of it. I can just say it's character-based and that it has nothing to do with religion and entities and organizations that would normally give, like, a firm no... Mm-hmm. they'll let it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you uh, figured out the secret. Exactly. Like, the secret to selling this is to n- not really focus on any of that stuff. Yep. And then immediately after that, like, when in Russia, we have Tom Hill modifying it to be palatable for the secular business world. Mm-hmm. And, and with that, we don't know exactly how that all went down. We don't know if Tom truly did this on his own and Bill was like, oh, that's a great idea and let him run with it. Yeah. And gave him a spot on the board, or if from the beginning Bill was involved, kind of like behind the scenes, like we don't fucking know. Right. But either way, the outcome was the same. It was a second scenario back to back from Russia where Bill Gothard realized he could get his materials to people in places that normally he wouldn't have reached. Mm-hmm. And I think that the title of one of those sections in the newsletter from earlier that I read. I feel like it really paints the picture of their end goal pretty clearly. Mm-hmm. It was the one, how the universal need for character is opening up the corporate world to ATI. Yep. It's the opening up the co- corporate world to ATI. It's just like, mm-hmm. how can we get ATI out into the world? Yep. In a way that's not going to put off people that don't want anything religious. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the same tactic that Bill Gothard has always used, but it's from a new angle that I don't think he realized before. Mm-hmm. We've talked about how with there being so many different offshoots of IBLP, it becomes easier to recruit in a sense. Yeah. So like if someone is interested in the homeschool curriculum, well, you have to take the seminars to do that. <laughs> Or if you go to the financial seminar and you enjoy it and you find it helpful, it's a lot easier for people to then be curious about what else does this organization mm-hmm. have to offer. And that's yep. how they get, that's how they get you, you yeah. know? And if there's principles in it that are the same across the different kinds, 
you are more likely to be like, oh, well, I already have this part of it. Oh, yeah, that would be easy. It'll be easier to sell it to you because there's some crossover there. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And this is the same thing. So, say a random mayor somewhere hears about being a character city and they think, like, how could that be bad? Character is a great thing, right? Of course. So, they join in. And then they hear that there's an education leg to it mm-hmm. and a police version. Yeah. And before you know it, you have an entire fucking city steeped in the influence of a cult. Yeah. So previously, though, Bill had always been, and just like IBLP, they had been unapologetic about everything being biblical. Like if you remember back to him describing education, even before he, like when he was talking about the basis of ATI, it was like... Mm-hmm. Education is godly or godless. Right. Like, there was no in-between. Previously, every bit of material coming out of IBLP had had never shied away from uh-huh. that. Loud and, and proud. That Exactly. <laughs> that was the selling point. Yeah. And this is just my opinion, but I don't think it had ever really crossed his mind to do it differently. Loud and proud was the mindset, you know? Yeah. But I truly think, and this is just my opinion, but I think that the school officials over in Russia downplaying it being religious mm-hmm. to get it past the Orthodox Church, like them using that approach, I think it made him go, oh shit, mm-hmm. that's a way to do it. Yeah. Because he never would have thought of that on his own. Yeah. Because Loud that was such was a way. part of his life. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like, I feel like groups... Groups like this are very attuned to being like, this is what we do. And it's the very forefront. It's part of your character. It's part of your your personality. We're and not that's gonna, how they sell yeah. it. And We're I think, not shying away. That was such the thing. Correct. And I think when you have people that are outside of that, that instantly rubs people that have no interest in, in a religious, you know, belief or doing that for themselves that rubs them the wrong way and makes them go away Mm -hmm. so i feel like he was always contending with the fact that the religious how do i sell this with the religious side of it to people that don't want any of that and And, he he found this and it never crossed his mind but when Mm -hmm. someone else did it and it worked he was like oh yeah Mm -hmm. got it yeah so i feel like (laughs) yeah um and, and so then I feel like you realize I can take my name out of it, mm-hmm. but ultimately it's still a way for him to get, have his message being spread to the masses mm-hmm. that he did not have access to before. Yep. And make a grip of money. Mm-hmm. Let's. <laughs> so I've had this topic on my dig list for a long time. And when I first started doing the research for this week, at first I, I thought I was going to touch a little bit on all of the different offshoots mm-hmm. of, of it. But I I just kept getting deeper and deeper. (laughs) And two and a half days into researching, I realized I wouldn't be doing it justice to Mm. do it that way. So instead, today sort of turned into the origin story of Character First and the Character Training Institute Mm -hmm. and the like timeline and roadmap to how it all got started. I thought the Russia aspect was super important because not only was it the reason that they started the character curriculum in the first place because it was their request... But also because I think it it got him all hyped up with the feeling of power Mm -hmm. that he could potentially have 
Because this is an example. Like, he was being invited by an entire school system across the fucking globe. Mm-hmm. And he was like, how can I do this back home? And how can I do this everywhere? How can I get this treatment yeah, like back every, home? Like every, yeah. But also just like everywhere. It's like, mm-hmm. they invited me in. I got to, let's keep doing this. Yeah. So like I said, I... I realized I wouldn't be doing it justice to combine like the different offshoots into like one single dig. Mm -hmm. So each of those separate CTI offshoots will be their own individual dig at some point in the future. And I'm really fucking excited about it. I got (laughs) to say like it's I think the details and some of the names you'll hear. It's Mm -hmm. just it's really interesting. I think to be able to connect some of the things that you've heard before. Okay. Or your state or your like i just think Mm -hmm. it'll be fascinating um but i felt like it was necessary to tell the backstory so you can kind of understand how this all unfolded right because otherwise i feel like you kind of miss the gravity of it all Mm -hmm. and just how calculated it was and i and i feel like you need to set that stage to understand the whole picture and really appreciate like oh yeah all of it so yeah, future digs on character education in schools, police departments, prisons, and cities coming at you in the future. And just one last little tidbit because I think it's interesting. As far as the business side of CTI goes, listen to the, some of the organizations that have utilized it. Okay. McDonald's, Burger King, Aflac, Costco, Coca-Cola, the Better Business Bureau, Tyson Foods, U.S. Air Force, the U.S. Navy, U.S. Marine Corps, U.S. Coast Guard, and that's just some of them. Wow. It's so widespread amongst these like giant groups. Yeah. And honestly, the character stuff in some of those private businesses, I feel, is like kind of the least of our worries. (laughs) Like, I'm not saying it's great. Yeah. But I don't think it's near as concerning as putting it in schools and prisons where they're captive and vulnerable. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Um, or the or military. In government. <laughs> yeah. Or in the government where it has this huge effect on the masses. Mm-hmm. At least in business, there it's more likely to be a fucking meeting that nobody's listening to. You know what I <laughs> yeah, mean? Yeah, they're like, like, oh, they're sending me to this seminar. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But those big organ like organizations i listed just like it just gives you an idea of what the reach was and yeah. that's not to say that all of those places became like iblp fucking heavy but it's just more to paint the idea of like these are all these places that were like oh yeah let's we're mm-hmm. on board and how easy it is when you can just leave out some details and people are just and on yeah. board because they assume it's just you know character yeah what's wrong with character mm-hmm. and even if you're thinking like is it really that bad I feel like when we get into it, you'll understand why. I believe that 100%. Yeah. So I'm so, excited about the so, animals. <laughs> so I hope, I know that this wasn't um, like the <gasps> kind of dig, but truly, I felt like this was long game necessary mm-hmm. to set the stage. And You're I setting think, the stage. And I feel like you'll, I think you'll be interested when we get into the individual mm-hmm. ones. Because I think if you would have just gone into the individual ones, yeah, they, the it still would have been there, but I think... There'd be less understanding of like, you're watching him realize what his reach could be. Yep. Is what it is. Exactly. Because his scope, regardless of how detrimental it was to certain things or the environment created wasn't, you know, the best, you're still like, okay, you're kind of in your own cone. 
And now you're at a point where you're like, oh, oh it's spreading yep, out it's there. Getting big. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you'll hear th- names and things, this repeated names. You'll hear some things that might be a little bit more surprising, some not so surprising, mm-hmm. but it'll all make sense. Man. So you just got level one of the dig. Oh, yeah. It's it's going it's gonna be interesting. Man. Like, so then I spent a lot of time doing research that now I have for the future. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, oh, God. I'm like, some of it's fascinating. I'm, ex- <laughs> I'm very excited. So I don't know if we'll go in order of when they, um, when they, like, in the timeline of when they got created. Mm-hmm. Or I might pop them in with an episode where I'm like, oh, I feel like this kind of fits this episode. Yeah. But eventually you will hear all of them. Damn. Wild. All right. Well, did you have anything else, my dear? That is it. Remember, positive energy for our little baby. For our little Mildred. My little baby. <laughs> um, as usual, feel free to buy us a pickle or a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash diggingupthedug. Enjoy our episode visuals and other stuff and Mildred-related content and really fun polls at times and Instagram at diggingupthedugger'spod. And if... You would like, we do have a P.O. Box, which is P.O. Box 5973, Glendale, Arizona, 85312. If you have any ideas of what our modern-day fashion monkey are, reach out to us. <laughs>